0: hello and welcome to the angelist india radio through these conversations we're taking you inside the minds of great investors experienced founders and talented experts angelist india pioneered new concepts in startup fundraising and investing for india you can find out more about us on angel.co india let's dive in
1: Hi, this is Prakan Agarwal, your host for today's episode of Angelist India Radio. And my guest for this episode is Ritesh Malik, founder of Innovate. Now, it's difficult to put Ritesh into just one bucket of being an entrepreneur. He wears multiple hats. He's a doctor turned founder, an angel investor in multiple startups. Someone who truly believes that the best outcomes will be achieved with more founders, backing founders, and one of the most helpful people in India's startup ecosystem to have by your side welcome ritesh thanks for taking out the time
0: thank you very much super excited for this
1: i'd like to start by asking you how does it feel to juggle between so many different roles and how are you managing your time these days what's keeping you the busiest so as a part
0: of my job, my, my, my actual job is to support startups, be it for their office space needs. Uh, and I truly believe that I don't need to do sales. I just need to focus on helping startups. And, and that is how I build my own revenue at Innovate. So so I don't think these are being an angel, director, being a founder or, or being a, and obviously now I do not uh, practice medicine. But uh, being, be, being a doctor just helps me take care of the people I love uh, when it comes to their health. But apart from that, my, my true job is just to ensure that, that I'm being
1: helpful to founders in, in any way possible. That's great. Yeah. I'm not sure if many people know, but your family business is that of a hospital, right? You're, you come from a lineage of doctors, You're a doctor yourself, yeah. obviously turned founder. But I'm sure that is still keeping you a little busy during these COVID times. Oh, yes.
0: Especially during the COVID times, we've seen a very uh, unprecedented crisis. And and in Delhi, uh, uh, we we were one of the first hospitals who were mandated by the government to convert into a COVID facility. So we've been staring the entire research development part of of building uh, the early uh, healthcare practices of how to treat COVID
1: patients. So my father is is, is completely drowned uh, into that. The last time I met you, we met at one of our common investee companies' uh, office. And you were running to, after that meeting, you were running to meet another startup that you had invested in. And you were also, you know, I had the time to discuss how busy uh, this entire situation was keeping you as well. So really kudos to you for managing and, you know, juggling between all these roles. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about Innovate. And, you know, the future of the co-working industry in a post-pandemic world. I mean, no one can dispute, you know, the need of co-working spaces and their role in supporting the entrepreneurial system of the country. But in the face of the crisis, what, in your opinion, is the best business model that makes most sense for the co-working companies going forward? So there's no doubt
0: that the conventional real estate commercial uh, Uh, business has been disrupted significantly because of COVID. That means we will see a very, very different sort of a post-pandemic office usage. There will be certain uh, changes which will be permanent. There will be certain changes which would be temporary. In my belief, going forward, the most permanent change that we will see in the adoption of office spaces is the fact that offices as as they existed pre-pandemic may not exist post-2021 or 2022 once the pandemic is behind us. So in a post-pandemic world, we'll see massive disruption in how companies entrepreneurs, freelancers, large listed corporations use the term offices. I think in the nine to five offices that existed earlier would be disrupted significantly. There would be significant adoption of co-working, not as it exists today. But co-working will also be going through a massive, massive evolution as we speak. We will see more and more flexible work styles adopted by all the working class of the world so how this flexible work style would look like would be as follows so offices would only and only build hq and in hq they will not have these workstations alone they would have flexible spaces they would have a rundown on spaces which can be converted into offices which can be converted into conference rooms which can be converted into town hall areas Where collaboration happens, the most important part of an office would be collaboration. On the Monday, the employee would be asked to go to an office. On Tuesday, co-working spaces would work with the employees, invest capex at their houses and build work-from-home suits, which would be completely monitored and the internet of that particular space inside the home would be given out by a different internet provider which would be extremely safe, secure. And on a Tuesday, the the person will work from home. On a Wednesday, he would work from the nearest co-working place from his house. Because going forward, people would want to spend more time with their families and they would prefer working as near to their houses as possible. On a Thursday, he'll again go, go to the HQ. On a Friday, again, work from home. So so this is how we are seeing adoption of co-working spaces. There would be more of enablers than permanent seats where employees come from 9 to 5.
1: Got it. So in a post-pandemic world, obviously, this might be seen as a a short-term slump, let's say, in demand. But in the long term, because obviously, people have gotten used to the idea of working from home, you see that the concept of co-working is only going to increase further.
0: Yeah, I I also feel Prakhar that uh, work from home is not scalable. Uh, as humans, we have a we have an innate desire to actually go out and meet people. And work from home is good until a point, but post that, that self actualization and the fact that you really want to learn from other people, build societies as humans are fundamental desire of a society is the fact that we want to mingle with people other than our families and i think that would only happen in an open office culture we will see just imagine a large starbucks a co-working space would be literally like a large starbucks and but, but definitely what we have today might not exist in the future
1: Absolutely. I completely echo your thoughts. Now, uh, discussing a little bit about Innovate and obviously your exit to OYO that everyone already knows about. What are some of the learnings you can share with founders on how they should be thinking about building the cap tables early on in the journey? you know the emphasis on institutional capital versus angels and if i'm not wrong i believe you hadn't raised too much capital but you had raised capital from a lot of number of angels because these are all people in your own private network so what have your what was your personal experience of managing the cap table at the time of exit and any personal learnings that you can share from that
0: So I have done a lot of mistakes. One of the mistakes was the fact that uh, we did not raise a lot of institutional capital. We raised a lot of small capital from a lot of people. To be honest with with you, we also raised a sixty thousand rupee cheque from an individual in Bombay, and 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 I realized that that was the biggest mistake having so many people on the cap table without having one hundred. And at that point in time, Angelist was not in India, so 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 we we really could not uh, make use of the efficient platform that. Uh, Angel list gets uh, to founders to make their lives easy. Uh, we had so many uh, angel investors, and I, I think in total, we had almost 70 angel investors in, in the company. We had hardly raised 10 to 11 crores in equity capital, but we, we realized that. Having less number of investors, and even if you have more number of investors, have just one authority representing them, it becomes a pain at the time of exit. And and also the second regret, I, I won't say to regret it, but uh, I, we were not able to raise a lot of institutional capital. And I think in, that would have really uh, changed our trajectory of growth. That being said, it uh, that also helped, us, helped me be the largest shareholder at the time of exit. And, and and really helped me uh, not to depend on anyone else for making that decision of an exit. So, but 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 the only learning that I have is uh, take capital from uh, syndicated networks, take capital from founders. The good thing that I did was that we got founders like Vijay uh, backing us. That was a massive, massive addition to uh, our cap table. But we were very, uh, we, we, we weren't that mature when it came to early E-Rays. We, we, we should have been more mindful and and we should have been more careful uh, on on what kind of uh, people are we getting on our cap table.
1: And I'd also like you to, you know, this is the YC season. Uh there, there are a lot of tons of Indian startups that have made it to the, to the recent batch of YC as well. What are your thoughts on YC and how was your experience uh, of being in YC? So we had two pivotal moments. The
0: first one was Vijay investing in us. The second one was YC. So YC has been, uh, so honestly, uh, being a medical doctor, I do not have any pedigree in technology or business, but YC taught me almost everything about how to run a startup. So I think YC is one of the most, uh, I think it's the most excruciating uh, programs to actually go into details of how to run a startup. And the good part is that they, exp- they do not do anything special. They expose you to the likes of Mark Zuckerberg. They expose you to the likes of founders of Airbnb, Brian Chesky. They expose you to the founders of Groupon. And you feel that if he can do it, why can't you? So so it's basically a, it's basically a trip to your own self. And the fact that they, they instilled that thought in you that why can't you do it? So I think I think that was extremely valuable for us when it came to Y Combinator. And, and of course, uh, at that point in time, we were also looking out for a model. And YC really helped us build from our minimum viable product to our product market fit, which was an asset-like model where our focus was to raise external capital from real estate developers than in investing our own capital so that our payback from 36 months cut short to six to seven months.
1: Right. YC is not just an investor, it's one of the largest. Ed Tech startup in yeah. the world, right? it's really you know the best diversity that a founder can have. And you have been an angel investor as well for a while. This is even before you founded uh, Innovate, and you've done a lot of offbeat investments like Joe Stocks You know, you were the first investor in Joe Stocks You're fairly bullish also on the hardware investments that you've done as well from uh, hardware companies being built out of India. So, talk to us a little bit about some of your early bets and what do you look for early on in a venture? Considering you are mostly the first angel in most of the companies that you invest in. So this is very interesting. I do not have a science, uh, but I've
0: been very fortunate that I've made uh, a very good portfolio. And a lot of people question this: that how do you select companies which almost every investor says a no to? go early on. So I do not have a science for that. My only thesis is that. Uh, is this is this problem A large enough? B are the founders mad enough? Because if the founders are not mad enough, they will not be able to sustain. B, doing startups is one of the hardest experiences of a human's life. You go through so much every every single person would judge you until you become successful your chances of success are almost negligible so i believe that uh and, and i don't think anyone can can know which startup would do well or which startup would do which, which, start, which startup would fail i only believe that invest in great humans great founders who have high integrity who have high ambitions and who who truly believe in a particular problem and who, who feel that money is a byproduct because if, if someone starts up because they see that this gentleman has made a lot of money doing a startup, the chances of them being successful are extremely low. So, so this I always tell people that and I've sold, old, I've, I've, I've literally sold two companies and people always think that no, oh, you, you sold your first venture early on, you sold the second venture also within in uh, three years of, of starting it. So I always say this, that you never start a business to sell. You always start a business to add value. You always start start a business to create value and, and help the community and selling Making money is a byproduct. So, I, I believe that you need those mad people. And and I've been very fortunate that I I resonate with a lot of, of I've done almost you now 60 plus 70 investments. I don't, I've lost the count. But I've been very fortunate that I've been part of, of journeys like Joe Stocks, Infido, Pepper. Uh, uh, I've, I've been in, I've, I've, I'm an LP in a fund called Pioneer, which is, is only focused for YC investments. So, I've been very fortunate to. Be early uh, spectators and the good part is it's all my ca- my capital so I don't mind taking big bullish risks and my uh, return on capital uh, expectation is 10 to 15 years. I, I don't take exits very quickly. So my only job as an angel investor and that's why I don't, I don't want to raise a lot of capital. I, I get a lot of offers that would you want to take our capital and I've uh, th- this is a personal policy that I, until and unless is, uh, I, I change my mind there are very few chances is that I will take external capital. I want to invest my own capital into extremely, extremely integrity-led founders and be with them for 10 to 15 years, have a have an amazing journey, help them out and learn from them. For me, this is my MBA. There's nothing better than that you can learn than and... Being a part of a startup's journey and continuously uh, experiences experiencing the highs and lows of like literally becoming the third co-founder of Josh Talks. So I think that uh, that is something which truly uh, ignites me, and and the impact. Like for example, Josh, as we speak, impacts close to sixty million in viewers each month. Now this impact. I, I think I think this is something which really helps me sleep better at night. So so my focus is is and that is why I do a lot of offbeat investments like Agnikul, which is into space tech, Kava, which is into space tech, uh, uh, Pepper, which is into content, uh, which just got uh, backed by Lightspeed. So so my focus is that how can we uh, and and when it comes to hardware, no one in this country has done more investments than than me, and this is a sad part. Hardware in India, the talent that we have for hardware, you cannot even imagine. Cochin is mecca for hardware. The challenge is, there are not even 10 investors in the country that have a portfolio of more than 10 companies in hardware. And that's the sad part. We urgently need a hardware fund and and there's also a reason behind it because hardware investments are hard they need a lot of capital and a lot of time so people do not want to do that so my focus is that irrespective because I have a lot of time on my hand I don't care about the capital that is why I I do a lot of hardware investments and and I I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm personally very bullish on hardware
1: You've said that you don't want to raise any external capital, but probably you you should lead the initiative of raising a fund for uh, hardware startups in the country. And also, tell us a little bit about Plaksha University that you've recently co founded with many other tech leaders of India. What is the Tech Leaders Fellowship and what is this university all about?
0: This is very interesting. This is a personal. project this is my first philanthropic journey so so this is a not for profit completely philanthropic project and uh, we are building a 50 acre university in mohali and the thesis is as follows in our country we are creating a pardon my language but when it comes to education, we are we are creating some of the most uh, so some of the most embellished sort of students. We need to completely revamp education. We are creating we have one of the largest engineering populations in the world, and seven to eight percent of our engineers do menial jobs like being a receptionist or even or even being janitors in tier three cities of our country. Now the challenge with our country is that. And we need to completely overhaul our, our education system. Even today, majority of our education degrees are mechanical ed- ed- education or chemical uh, mechanical engineering or, or primitive engineering sciences like civil engineering. We need today to focus, we need to focus on something called the Ranya 53, which is the industry 4.0 subjects such as robotics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, nanotechnology. Internet of Things, uh, 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 Autonomous Vehicles and and, uh, Electric Vehicle Infrastructure, 5G, 3D Printing and these subjects are not being taught in our our, uh, uh, colleges. And our focus at Plaksha is to combine this technology education with the education of leadership wherein founders who have uh, built large businesses come and teach students on how to build the, the softer elements of building businesses and creating employment for India and building products out of national soil. The question is, why don't we have a Google from India when 32% of Google's workforce is Indian in origin? The the, the only answer is we need to build products from national soil and that will only happen if, but when we fundamentally change education, the reason Silicon Valley is in, in near Stanford is because of Stanford. First, the education changes, then the Silicon revolution starts. So, so for us, that is Laksha, a technology-first university, wherein we will always be 50 years ahead of conventional Indian education system. If you want to... Ch- create Silicon Valley in India, you will not have, even if you have the best of the best capital in the country, you will not be able to build until our capabilities, core capabilities of our our employees improve. And for that product, technology and design, which we call the PTD, Your, we need to focus on creating better product uh, managers, we need to focus on creating better technology leaders, and we need to focus on creating better design thinkers. These three challenges we solve through this Flaksha uh, technology leaders, uh, leaders program. We started our first batch last year, it was a massive success. Uh, the second batch is 10x of what we did in the first batch, and we are we, we are learning a lot of interesting things from what the, the, the students are are giving us
1: feedback. Definitely, that sounds super exciting. And I think we're drawing to a close of our time now. Uh, Everything you do uh, is done with so much passion and thoughtfulness and humility. Thank you, Ritesh, for taking out the time to be on our show. And here's wishing you continued success.
0: Thank you very much, Prakar. I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Uh, AngelList was uh, was one of our early investors. And AngelList as a platform has been extremely helpful in helping innovate and, and, and other companies in the country to uh, actually build better cap tables and at the same time raise efficient and more valuable capital. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ritesh.